Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. We are here in Numbers chapter 14. So the spies have gone up. They've come back. We know that two of the spies were faithful. Ten of the spies were unfaithful. Now they're going to present their report before the congregation. We're going to see the congregation's response to this report and then how God handles that. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to see your truth, to know your power and your provision, and to trust your promises and your goodness to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Numbers chapter 14. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation and of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting, to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought up this people in your might from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land, They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people, for you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now if you kill this people as one man, then all the nations who have heard of your fame will say, It is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give them that he has killed them in the wilderness." And now please, let the power of the Lord be great, as you have promised, saying, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Then the Lord said, 
I have pardoned, according to your word. But truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times, and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despised me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Now, since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me, say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and of all of your number, listed in the census from twenty years old and upward, who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land that I swore where I would make you dwell, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, who you said would become a prey, I will bring in, and they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness, according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, forty days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity forty years, and you shall know my displeasure. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this will I do to all this wicked congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall come to a full end, and there they shall die. And the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing up a bad report about the land, the men who brought up a bad report about the land died by plague before the Lord. Of those who went to spy out the land, only Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive. When Moses told these words to all the people, the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the heights of the hill country, saying, Here we are. We will go up to the place that the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. But Moses said, Why are you now transgressing the commandment of the Lord when that will not succeed? Do not go up, for the Lord is not among you, lest you be struck down before your enemies. For there the Amalekites and the Canaanites are facing you, and you shall fall by the sword. Because you have turned back from following the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the heights of the hill country, Although neither the Ark of the Covenant nor the Lord nor Moses departed, or neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed out of the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and defeated them and pursued them even to Hormah. People, 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 people. <laughs> I have sometimes said 
that, you know, it's a very good thing for all the world that I am not God because I would not put up with this nonsense. I would probably just have ended human history a long, long time ago with a bunch of stains in the dirt. People talk about how the God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath and a God of judgment and a God of anger and a God of impatience. No way. Like, are you kidding me? As stubborn and foolish and obstinate and wicked as God's people prove themselves to be time and time again, the Lord is patient. The Lord is kind. Even in giving judgment, the Lord is patient and kind. And we see that here. We see that the people are just, they are absolutely rebellious against God and anything God has to say. They are ready to choose their own leader. Forget Moses, forget Aaron, forget going to the promised land. They're ready to just choose a leader for themselves and go right back to Egypt. They would rather be slaves than trust the Lord to keep his good promises to them. Now, even as I'm being harsh on them, isn't that true of us? How many times have we looked at the promises of God that we would shine like stars in the midst of a crooked generation? The invitation of God to come out from among them and be separate How many times have we looked at God's decree that we are his holy people? We are salt of the earth, light of the world. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are the temple of the living God. And how many times have we said, "Eh, I'd rather be a slave. I'll take my sin. I'll take my selfishness. I'll take my self-reliance and my foolishness. So even as I say, wow, how terrible these people are. I have to admit that if I was there, I would probably be right with them. I love Caleb and Joshua. They're the heroes of the story, but I don't know that I would be a Caleb or a Joshua. I don't know where I would be. But by the grace of God, he has made me what I am. I'm thankful for that. And by God's grace, he doesn't wipe out the whole nation of Israel there in the desert wilderness of Paran. They're ready to stone Caleb and Joshua when Joshua, Caleb and Joshua remind them of the good promises of God. They're trying to inspire them with hope and courage, and they're ready to stone them. And then God says he's ready to wipe them out. God says, I'm going to strike them with a pestilence, disinherit them. And he says to Moses, I'll make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. And again, Moses intercedes. Moses interceded before with the golden calf incident. What we see in Moses is we see a model of faithful covenant intercession. If you want to pray for this nation, America, or wherever you are, you want to pray for your the church in its unfaithfulness to Christ or, or the world and its rebellion against God or unbelieving friends that you know or wayward children that you might have. If you want to pray, Moses gives us a good model of how to pray. The honor of God and his name would be well served by the saving of this lost person, by the restoration of this wayward person, by the deliverance of this wicked people out of wickedness and into righteousness. The name of the Lord among the nations would be exalted and then he pleads the character of God. 
Do as you have said. Be the Lord who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. So Moses Moses pleads the, the fame of the Lord and the name of the Lord, the, the honor and glory of the Lord and the character of the Lord in his prayer for the people. He asks for God to forgive and he asks for God to spare them. And God says, yes. Now, theologically, this might set up a conundrum for us. Was God really going to destroy the people? What if Moses hadn't interceded? Did Moses' prayer actually change God's mind? Well, I think we have to be faithful to what Scripture says. God's not a liar, but also God appoints the means as well as the ends. So was God really going to destroy the people? He had just cause to do so. Did Moses' intercession really make a difference? Yes, but because that's what God ordained would make the difference. So when God says, I have pardoned according to your word, he's not lying. He really did use Moses' prayer as the means by which he restrained his wrath against his people. Now we could say God's end purpose was always to lead his people into the promised land. Absolutely true, right? That's right. The ancestors of Jesus were in this group. Moses wasn't it. The ancestors of Jesus were in this group. And if God had left them a stain in the desert, well, what happens to the coming of Christ ultimately? But sometimes we can get so removed that we can say, well, then really Moses' intercession is just kind of like a show. It's just kind of like a, a fake out. No, it's not a fake out or a show either. God really says these words, prompts Moses to intercede. Moses intercedes and God really uses that intercession to withhold his judgment and to pardon. I have pardoned according to your word. So for us, does God call us to pray? Yes. Does God really use our prayers? Yes. Does God accomplish his purposes through the prayers of his people? Yes. Does that mean that our prayers change God's mind? Well, not in the ultimate sense of, you know, we've act like we've told God something he didn't already know. And he says, oh, I never considered that perspective. It's not like that, right? God knows the end from the beginning, but God appoints means as well as ends. And he uses, just as he uses the preaching of the word and the sharing of the gospel to bring people to faith in Christ, so he uses the prayer of his people to move his own heart and hand to work in this world, really and truly. So we see this. Now the people are being given a judgment. For 40 years, they are going to wander in the wilderness and they're going to fall dead, everyone who is over 20 years old, with the exception of Caleb and Joshua. Now, God has pardoned them. God has forgiven their sin, but still there's going to be the consequence. They did not believe God, and so they were not going to get to see the promised land. That was very straightforward. They weren't walking by faith. They weren't trusting in God. So they weren't going to be brought into the promised land. But their children would. And then they try to force God's hand and do something different. They see the 10 spies die who brought the bad report. They hear the words of Moses. They see the glory of the Lord. 
they feel bad for their sin. Verse 39, they're not repenting here. Don't read verse 39. The people mourned greatly and say, oh, they're sincerely repenting of their sin. No, no, no. Not all tears of remorse over sin are repentance. This is a, oh, we're so sorry we blew it, and we're so sorry that we're not going to get what we were promised now. Maybe we can force God's hand, and he'll give it to us anyway. So they say we have sinned. They cry, and they say we have sinned, and they even claim the promises of the Lord. And perhaps in their own minds, they think that they're doing the right thing, but people can be deceived. They're not actually repentant. They're not actually trusting God. They're not actually being led by him. They're being presumptuous. Verse 44, they presumed to go up to the heights of the hill country. You can't force God's hand. If God says no to something because it's not his will, he says no and he's not going to do it. Now, we can intercede, we can pray, right? But we can't just go and do something because we think, oh, this is going to be what God's going to provide. No. That kind of presumption is sinful. It is not in anywhere close to being faithful. We need to trust the Lord. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Don't trust ourselves. Don't trust what we see. Don't trust what we can presume. Don't even trust our own repentance. But we need to look to the Lord and trust the Lord. Because in the end, the Lord will accomplish his good purposes. None of his promises will ever fail to come to pass. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this wonderful passage. Thank you for what it teaches us, even in hard ways. It confronts us with our own sin, our doubt, our fear, our unbelief, and our presumption. And thus it gives us the opportunity to confess those things to you and to repent of them by your grace. Father, deliver us from self-reliance, judging by what our eyes see, living by fear, or being presumptuous and thinking we can force your hand to provide something you have not promised. Father, help us to walk by faith, in humility and in courage, trusting in you and not in ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that is day number 202, numbers 14. Tomorrow, we're jumping back to Galatians. We're finishing it up tomorrow. Galatians chapter 6, the last chapter in that great book. Hope you can join us for that. And as always, I hope you have a very blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.